Welcome to episode 101 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we conclude our Kentucky Route Zero saga. You can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub, and on Twitter at leftbehindclub. If you like what you've heard through this Kentucky Route Zero saga, make sure to do two things. One, leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice, and share it with a friend. If this is the first time that you've listened to a Kentucky Route Zero episode, you may want to stop this one because it's the last one and go back to the first episode, Kentucky Route Zero Act One, before proceeding. Without further ado, the conclusion to our saga. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him. His name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm very excited to wrap up our discussion, but a very exciting and wonderfully interesting game. Here to talk about a wonderfully interesting game with us on the podcast for the 10th time, Dr. Adam Iannetta. Adam, thanks for coming back. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't know how I feel, but like, I feel like relief. Like, I am ready for this to be done, to put this back on the shelf, and just kind of stare at it for once a year. I don't know how you guys feel. It's, it's very bittersweet, because I've, I've loved this game from start to finish, and it's one of those things where, you know, as soon as that final title scream came up at the end of Act 5, it just said, the end, and a part of me thought... No, it it can't be over. There there has to be more because I've enjoyed it that much. You don't want it to end, but I, I, all, all good things must come to an end. So, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I honestly, I feel like there are hundreds of stories that can be told in the world of Kentucky Route Zero. Um, and Jacob, the vibe that I'm getting is you are like. You're Pharrell happy, you know, and, and Adam and I are over here. It's a little bittersweet symphony, yeah, you know, very it's good, just, very good. That's the vibe that I think we're hitting. If you've gotten this far and you don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about the fifth interlude in the Kentucky Route Zero series that we've been doing for months now. Uh, if this is your first episode picking that up, you might want to go back to our Act 1 episode, start there, and then come back here. We'll be waiting for you when you're ready. But this is Interlude 5 of Kentucky Route Zero, this one called The Death of the Hired Man, again, developed by Cardboard Computer and published by Annapurna Interactive. And like all of the other interludes and acts, it starts and is entirely different than anything else in the series, right? Holy cow. Very different. Yeah, it's it's got a little, you know, a little a little shelf with the Bible and a television and one of those cool little drinking bird toys that was in the, that episode of The Simpsons <laughs> where Homer got too fat to work at the at the radiation plant. Oh, oh no, the oh. corn. Paul Newman's going to have my legs. <laughs> Man, I wish my job was so easy a drinking bird could do it. Yes. 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 Did you know uh, that you can just press Y and increase your productivity? <laughs> <laughs> um, this episode is like 20 minutes long, yeah? Yeah, just yeah. about. It is. Uh, guys, correct me. Correct. Feel free to hop in as I try and describe 
what this this interlude is. Um, it takes place entirely looking at a TV screen mm-hmm. in uh, a bar. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of Harry's bar. The Lower Depths. The Lower Depths, yes. It is uh, sitting very clearly at the Lower Depths. Um, and out of out of frame is Harry and Carrington having a conversation. Uh, and you basically get to control what's on TV. And listen to their conversation. Listen to the dialogue. Yo. There is the least amount of player agency, I think, out of any episode so far. Best TV in a video game ever. <laughs> For real. You know what I... like? This is going to sound really stupid, but I loved even the, the just like attention to detail that you could see a reflection in the TV screen mm-hmm. and see that the, the booths were empty, that no one else was in uh, in this place. Mm-hmm. Um that that is like a detail that I was not expecting and was so impressed to see. I I guess when I think of great televisions and video games, the only one I can really think of is is Prey two thousand six. I think had some really good cut. TV stuff. Deep cut. Remember the first time Prey happened? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I think there was some good cool TV stuff in there. And maybe in the darkness, uh, a game. Maybe the best portrayal of Native Americans in in games. I think that that's <laughs> that's factual. Um, and then. I think the darkness has some TV stuff, but this TV is is even better. But please, yes. I want to stop being a dumb dumb garbage man. Can you guys help me and give a little <laughs> more context about this ep- about this interlude? Well, I don't know if we can quite fix that in this episode. <laughs> but what we can do is I can continue to describe what happens in this episode, which is to me, you know, and I'd love to hear your interpretations, guys. But it is essentially Carrington explaining to Harry. Uh, you know what happened with his play while also kind of breaking the fourth wall it is both uh a a reinterpretation of uh the death of a hired man by robert frost while referencing it within it and commentary on the game and making it or or so i will try and to prove my thesis throughout the remainder of this episode hmm. thank you <laughs> I, I think one thing we have to mention is who Carrington is. And because to me, having played this game uh, up until this point, I had no idea who he was. And, Come on. And in order for me to, I mean, in order for me to actually play this fifth and final interlude, I had to kind of figure it out on my own and sort of resort to Google and figure out, okay, who is Carrington and how do you find him in this game so I can play the fifth and final interlude? And apparently he's a character that you can meet right at the very beginning of act one where if you're as you're you know driving back and forth uh throughout the back rows of kentucky um if you have the opportunity to go back to equus oils um there you see this i I guess the only way i can describe him is if george washington carver the, the guy who invented peanut butter all of a sudden just gave up his day job and decided to live out the rest of his life as a mountain man. Um, <laughs> while, you know, that that's basically what he looks like. And he's he's also carrying what appears to be this massive, like, 10 or 12 point set of elk antlers or something. And he... Yes. And you, you have a conversation with him and apparently he's... He knows... Um, is it Joe from the gas station? Yes, and Joseph. He knows Joseph, he knows Lula, and he's going on about working on this um, 
art installation, highly experimental theatrical production that he's calling The Death of a Hired Man. And what we find out in this interlude is sort of the aftermath of his failed attempt, because he, he goes on to explain how, oh, you know, the... The cast never showed up. There was there was no audience. the The tech was a disaster. We couldn't find the the proper set. So uh, here here I am in this this black muddy water, drowning my sorrows. So I'm kind of amazed that we had never, I guess, talked about him or mentioned him previously, and that you had never seen him before. Didn't even know he uh, existed. Because I remember him popping up in the oddest places, always carrying the these antlers. Um, I think the place that I last remember seeing him is at the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces. Where was he there? to talk with Lula Chamberlain at her, at, her, at her desk, I think. Or he might have been at the front desk. But I do remember him being there and thinking like, huh, this is funny. This guy just keeps popping up. And he's always at you know places with the main cast of characters, right? The, the, the people who have set up the world that we are you know, experiencing. Yeah. So, uh, I went and looked back and so we've already talked about how he's in act one. Mike just brought up the fact that he is in, um, act two. Uh, he's also in act three. Um, if you go back, um, he says he'll meet the group at the location that was suggested in act two. So either Equisoils, Elkhorn mine or the storage facility. And then in act four, he also shows up again, but I, I, I don't exactly remember where, but he starts to allude that like, He's doing an experimental stage production of Death of a Hired Man and specifically talks about Frost and how he's used three sources of light on his main subject. Um, so he's he's everywhere. He everywhere. <laughs> and do you know that he was inspired by two real life people? No. Was one of them George Washington Carver? Uh, no. One of them was <laughs> James Beckworth, um, who is an American mountain Playwright? man, fur trader, and explorer. Oh, no. <laughs> And, okay. and then uh, the other one, and I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but it's Waitley Carrington, um, who is a parapsychologist. Interesting. Yeah. Uh. Huh. So so there you go. James B. Carrington. Y- you got it right. Mountain man, but also parapsychologist <laughs> that loves a good play. Interesting. Interesting. How about okay. That? So the, the conversation... Uh, I, I guess we should just hop into it because you know th- there's there's not a lot of gameplay here. I think the the gameplay. Uh, correct me if you guys you know uh, noticed anything different because the gameplay actually surprised me. Is you can change the channel on the TV. Yeah, I was going to be the like, only hold thing on, you can do. hold on. This game has so much gameplay. You can turn it from a race. Uh, at one point, <laughs> you can change the channel, and there's the like a soap turkeys? opera. There's fuzzy yep. turkeys. There's a moon. There's just like those colored bars. Uh, Did you see the screen waiting for for uh, what's her name to come and intercept the transmission? There's a knife Weaver? show. Like. Come yeah, did, yeah. Did, you, did you see, like, the, the shopping channel the with just this, like, ridiculous <laughs> set of hunting knives? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I actually didn't realize that you could change the channel, and it was only when I had dropped my controller and the screen <laughs> changed that I was like, holy cow! What? What, what just happened? Um, I was just very... I was entranced watching a soap opera uh, about... Um, was it Mars? How to Love a Red Diamonds? Moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I was I was definitely enthralled in that soap opera and after the fourth or fifth time that it looped <laughs> and I dropped my controller, I realized I could flip channels and check out other other programs. Um so yeah, anyways, that is the gameplay. I don't know. Do we want to dig in a little deeper into like 
what is on each channel? Or do you guys want to just get into the discussion of the script? I'd say we just get into the discussion. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I think that's the meat and potatoes here. All right, all right. Well, Mike's okay. so excited. I, honestly, <laughs> this this one is, I think, what I love about the game, and I think I've said this multiple times, is that this game kind of folds in on itself. There are layers and layers and layers, and it's it's not only layers of references that you need to pull from the real world, but also references within the, the world that the game sets up. Um, and it makes it really, really cool. So, uh, anyway, it, the, the conversation essentially is between Harry and Carrington, and we, we've kind of established this. And Carrington, um, it seems like he's kind of following the script of the death of the hired man. Um, talking about some boy who's come in and um, needs to work. Uh, and there are lines that are ripped straight from the poem itself. Be gentle, um, you know, or be kind to him. Um, when am and, I ever not kind? <laughs> when am I ever not kind? Exactly, exactly. And there, there are a bunch of these references, and it's a conversation with Harry not making any money, continuing to not make money, um, but discussing whether he'll be able to, to pay a wage or not and what he'll do with this person. Um, and the conversation veers and meanders, and we find uh, that... Um, Emily is also sitting at the bar mm-hmm. and she's talking uh, w- with Carrington and Carrington explains in this episode or interlude again that he has put on a play at Equus Oils where no one attended um, and his actors didn't show up um, of the death of a hired man and to me this was one of the, the big kind of moments of like aha the game that we have been playing is a version of the death of the hired man and Conway is the hired man. And, um, the story that we've seen is essentially the death of Conway and all of these different themes throughout the game are dropped and, um, and revisited in this brief conversation between Harry, uh, Carrington and Emily. Um, so I, I mean, I've honestly, guys, I feel like I could rant for days about this, but I, I feel like it's this is the opportune and polite moment in conversation to allow you to get an, a word in edgewise. Well, I, I think, and and you probably already touched on this, Michael, but the the fact that you know at this point Carrington is just so disheartened by the fact that his his grand oeuvre, his his production of Death of a Hired oh, Man, that pronunciation. <laughs> Well, you know, vocal major, so you know, IPA, it's <laughs> right. kind of my thing. Um right. but the 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 fact that, you know, his his grand work couldn't come to fruition and he's so disheartened by it, but the fact that within this interlude the the conversation starts drawing directly from the work is interesting because it's almost as if he he's literally living inside of his own masterpiece at this point literally quoting lines from the show having the the same conversations that they would and um even there's there's the grand uh riddle or the grand question that keeps arising between the different characters and i'm, I'm i love that I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was it was um oh, it, what home, is the definition of home yeah home is where you have been taken in and um Emily actually says, oh, you know, I, I think I understand the, the answer to, to your riddle. And he says, what? He's like, 
Yeah, it's it's clearly a riddle. It it means a grave. It it's where you go to die because, you know, in death is the only place where you have to be taken in. That was literally the so I have the poem up and I highlighted that specific phrase because all I could think of if you go back to act 4 and how again I was a dumb dumb garbage boy and didn't realize Conway <laughs> literally was being taken to his death that's all I could think of is how the hard time <laughs> boys forgot about that the hard time boys and it'll always stick with me because I didn't realize what was actually happening I'm like ooh a cat and really he's being taken away to his death <laughs> I'm like, ooh, shiny thing over there. Um, But that's all I can think of, that one line of home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. So, like, I I think I brought up the River Sticks on a past episode. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Hard Time Boys, as we called them, like, to me, represent death. And, like, that line in the poem stuck with me so hard. Uh, were, there, were there any other either lines that were delivered by one of the characters in the bar or one of the lines from Robert Frost's poem that really stuck with you and made you think of a specific thing that happened in the game. You know, I have been struggling to find the script for this interlude and episode that I've been able to find for the others. Um, Because there were moments reading through it that struck me as the developers, um, you know, kind of breaking the fourth wall that, um, you know, the people didn't show up and, and the time wasn't there and it, it all changed on us along the way. Um, and the, to me, that kind of felt like the developers talking about, you know, people playing this game, the, 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 the act of making this game likely changed it along the way. Um, and, and all of the, all of the ways that that, you know, tends to happen in a living, breathing, you know, piece of art. Uh, yeah, because this actually just, so this is being recorded in 2020. The game, the final interlude came out in January of 2020. So that's maybe why the script isn't available. But like, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, for their oeuvre to take, um, you know. <laughs> well done. I didn't, I didn't do it great. Uh, it, it took them essentially eight years to put together. So that that breaking the fourth wall um, about, uh, I think there what was the line? There was a line in there about, um, oh, damn. There was a line in there that I thought was like, are they talking about how difficult this project was to get to get going? Hold on. Yes. I, I would not doubt for a minute that that is, that that is not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I love not only the, not only all of the ways that, the, it seems like the developers are breaking the fourth wall and telling us a bit about their experience creating the game that we are experiencing. But I love that in in all of this, we've at least at least personally, I've gotten the sense from you guys as well that we are just kind of along for the ride. That we didn't quite know exactly where it was going to go. That we could have seen all of the pieces of the puzzle and still not been able to to know what the picture was and how to put it together, that there was just so much there and that it was so complicated. But knowing that Carrington at the beginning gives us that foreshadowing of he's trying to put on a, an experimental play of the death of a hired man and knowing that, you know, that that, that was set up right at the beginning, um, you know the the death of Conway should not have come as a surprise. The the some of the twists and turns, I think, uh, should have been a little bit more predictable. Um, and yet, I love that at the very last minute, at the very end, it it 
it takes all of these details that we had and experienced and, and puts them into focus in a way that allows us to fill in the picture. Uh, the specific line I was talking about is he's worn out. He's asleep beside the stove. When I came up from Rose, I found him here. So like, is that about Conway? Is that about the developers putting out this, this giant oeuvre? So um, on, on your point, Mike, um, I think a lot, you know, as, as our resident dumb, dumb garbage boy, um, I think that a lot of this went over my head. Um, but I'm almost selfishly glad to hear that like my well-read counterparts are even finding parts that they didn't necessarily see coming or even really know about until, you know, after they played it and they had time to think about it. I didn't even know this interlude existed until <laughs> you mentioned it on a previous episode. Oh, by the way, there's another interlude, and I had to try and figure out how do I unlock this. Up until now, <laughs> every everything's just been there. So the the other really interesting thing is um, they, they talk about how, you know, uh, the Robert Frost poem. And when I went to look it up, I was kind of anticipating a, you know, sort of your typical high school poem. There once was a man from Peru who dreamed he was eating his shoe kind of thing, like five to 15 lines long. But it's actually, I mean, it took me about maybe seven to 10 minutes to read. And it doesn't read like a normal poem with, you know, some sort of uh, meter and rhyming couplets. Um, it, it To me, it reads more just like a, a short story or a dialogue between two or three characters. So it's it's really interesting just to see... I, mean, I, for one, am not familiar with Robert Frost or his poetry, but it's it's really interesting to see just how many nods to, you know, literature, movies, um, poetry, art, uh, how much is just referenced within this this beautiful piece of work. Um, the final line that really struck me in the script, I know we weren't able to kind of find a beat-by-beat -beat script, um, but the last line that really hit me was the thing I said before, um, you know, that w what's the place where when you have to go, they have to take you in. Carrington says the answer is home and Emily says, no, it's a grave. So like that in itself kind of confirms what we're saying. But one other thing that I wanted to talk about in the actual, um, on the shelf, I don't know if you guys noticed or took anything of it. I, I seem to take things from the simplest things in this game. Uh, but there was a Bible and on top of the Bible, there's like a, puzzle book and a deck of cards and i don't know if you guys took anything from that or just said like it's a game and it's a puzzle yeah <laughs> that like that no life Boom. is fu life is full of chance life is like it, it's 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 like a not luck but like you kind of roll the dice when you when you go through this life you rolled the dice and not the deck of cards that's it absolutely but do you but do you keep <laughs> the glowing green dice at the very beginning of the <laughs> yes yes exactly the only puzzle in the entire game also <laughs> we never did find out what those dice are for nope well did you like, did you guys it, um, it was a encounter... main menu item but you you actually get the chance in in Act Five when you meet up with Ben, Bob, and Emily. They're they're sitting at a table at one point. And they're saying, "Oh, we want to play this game, but we don't have the dice." And Stop it! You're given you're you're given the option as Shannon what? to reach into your coat pocket, which is Conway's, and give them the dice. But that's literally no the way. end of it. There's oh. there's a reference at one point to the uh, to the pueblo de nada, the people of nothing, and how they. They follow this, I can't remember her name, I think she's referred to as the seer, almost like a shaman yes. uh, sort of being. And she's sort of like the, the all-powerful nomad of their tribe. And they, they treat their nomadic culture almost like a game. 
And so I'm, I'm wondering if that plays any reference to the, the dice rolling and who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that it, the, the, the conversation that they have at the bar picks up all of the themes that we had been talking about throughout debt, um, you know, responsibility, all, all of those things all coming together. Um, I did not pick up on the, the, the deck of cards and the, puzzle i was again too entranced in the soap opera and, and the wonderful music um i was i was into it um and i kept flipping channels and getting really annoyed when i was on static um try, trying to find the right thing um but this uh, it's so strange that this gave me a better sense of closure than uh act five did itself hmm. act five seems to have um wrapped up the story and this seems to have explained more of more of it to me, or at least tied some of those details together. I feel less like I'm uh, Charlie, like <laughs> tying string on thumbtacks in the wall with a big Pepe Sylvia in the middle, and I feel like <laughs> more of those strings are now like in the correct spot. Like I've got I've got more of it actually figured out. So I think this is a great point in the episode to. You know, start to start to get near the finish. But one thing I want to do before we wrap up is I want for y'all um, to give your recommendations about games, books, music that you would recommend that made you feel like the way Kentucky Route Zero made you feel in a segment that we call the Recommendation Machine. The Recommendation Machine. Uh, so who wants to go first and, and give any recommendations they have uh, for media that may cop the same feeling that Kentucky Route Zero does? Well, since you've put us on the spot and surprised us, surprise! Jacob, I think it's it's only fair that you go first. Okay. Um, so the one thing that I want to recommend, again, because I'm a garbage, uh, what am I, a, a dumb, dumb garbage Don't. boy. That's it. <laughs> dumb, dumb garbage boy raccoon. <laughs> That's me. Um, I'm going to stick to the... Uh, the realm of games and uh, a game that kind of does the magical realism thing a little bit uh, would be what, what remains of Edith Finch, uh, which is a, a game, another one published by Annapurna Inter- Interactive. Now it doesn't have the same like mystery elements that uh, this game does, but I think that it does a lot, like a lot of surrealist stuff that anyone that w- plays this game would appreciate. Um, but if you're looking for something a little bit weirder, I think I would probably go to something that Remedy would have developed and go to something like Alan Wake as um, not gameplay entirely different, but like build some of the, the strange world building stuff in the game. So there's two for me. What Remains of Edith Finch and Alan Wake. Uh, who wants to go next? Okay, I'll go. We'll give Adam some time to, to <laughs> gesticulate. Uh, okay. A game, I will say 30 Flights of Loving. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, a, a film, anything out of David Lynch's canon, but I think more, more particularly Twin Peaks. It's yes. just got that fun, kind of weird, crazy energy to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 30 Flights of Loving, Twin Peaks. Uh, a book, I'd say any of, you know, I would I would go Gravity's Rainbow. Gravity's Rainbow just seems to hit the, the right spot. If you really love the, the world folding in on each other 
and having insane references to pull from, I'd say Infinite Jest mm-hmm. by David Foster Wallace. Um, and then if I'm thinking an album, um, that's tough. I would, you know, it's definitely like dream wavy. Um, anything that Ben Babbitt's done ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack uh, so to like, Free is pretty great too from Scientific. Yes, oh, it that's is. a good one. Um, so for me, and I've, I've mentioned it several times on this show, point and click adventures have never really been my thing. And so trying to think of something remotely close to that genre, I mean, the only thing I'm drawing at this point is that, do you guys remember homestarrunner.com? And there's of like course. That, there, <laughs> okay. there, there's that horrible, like, oh, ye find ye self in yonder dungeon, ye see ye flask. But I'm, I'm definitely not going to recommend that. But um, sort of accidentally i was scrolling through twitter and i found um it's a it's a newer game that's come out it's called cross the grooves and it's um it's referred to as an interactive novel which kind of struck me as something very very similar to what we've experienced here because you know while it is referred to as a point and click adventure game you're really not doing the the token things like fighting monsters or defeating um villains or things like that you're essentially um just investigating and uh, learning more about these characters just by observation and sort of clicking and choosing the the dialogue that you want to know more about them um and so the this game across the grooves is is very similar in that context and it it is noted as having a very magic realist um surrealist perspective and it deals with themes of time travel and really just uncovering more about relationships rather than getting from point a to point b this game looks dope it's it's absolutely beautiful the art style it's got a very sort of dc comics watercolor um art style to it and um uh they, I think they only have two other games out right now, and I, I don't really know anything about this company, but they all have a very similar watercolor art style to them, and it's 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 gorgeous, and I'm, I'm very interested in looking more into it. And I, as I've mentioned before, um, this game has absolutely converted me from, you know, sort of staying away from point-and-click adventures, so I'm very much open to, to looking more into them, and um, I, I think I might give Grim Fandango a try next. Ooh, nice. Great choice, great choice. Uh, the developer... I, honestly, guys, I cannot wait until this the script of this game is linked to me somewhere <laughs> or I find it, because I feel like there's so much more of this interlude or episode that, you know, can be teased out of it that I just don't... I don't have the script in front of me and i feel like feel like i'm i'm missing out on bits but still have like a, a sense of closure well i mean what i want to do now is i want to go and watch youtube videos and i want to read like essays and i want to just read like um like media interviews of cardboard computer because even the small stuff so i i read yeah. i don't know whose video i watched but i was watching a video i think it was actually rock paper shotgun did a little essay about it and one thing that really struck me is that um, they were talking about Xanadu and how with Xanadu, um, it only worked because the mold that was in that like area that Xanadu was in created a perfect neural network for Xanadu to be able to yeah. work. It's like the littlest <laughs> things and you just go, what the hell? How did they? So that's what I want to do next. Just watch a whole bunch of yes. things and have people tell me what we got wrong and just ruminate about this game for a little while longer and then put it away forever as a slight aside have you guys ever seen those models of mold helping city planners figure out how to 
put roadways and and uh, subways and things like no, that. No, no, it's amazing. They just model out all of the buildings in a city and have mold path the most efficient route mm-hmm. to connecting. Um, it's it's super cool. It's super interesting. That's Definitely crazy. take a look at it later. Yeah, um, mold is wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I feel like again, there's just so much more to dig into here, and I I think on some level I'll always feel that way about this game. And for me personally, it's a game that I would recommend or any, you know, I don't want to get into the semantic arguments about whether this is a game or not, because it's just, it's not, it's not worthwhile. It's not a game. Yeah. Like whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. You're like, entitled it doesn't to your matter. Opinion. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't care. Um, but I'm going to call it a game and I'm, I'm, I would recommend this to just about anyone. Like literally just about anyone just to see what their reaction to it is. Like I've already recommended it to Mo very stealthily a couple times. He's like, yeah, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know. It's not my type of game. I'm like, yeah, but, but like just maybe, just maybe play an episode. Just like check it out. And and I, I honestly do feel like this is in the strangest way possible. There, There's a huge audience of people out there who never play games, who games are really daunting for who the language and design of games has gone past them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is actually accessible enough as weird as this is, this is to get a lot of people into it. And um, it's such a weird story that grips you that I think a lot of serialized TV can do mm-hmm. that, uh, that I, I feel like this might actually be a good gateway drug for a lot of people into gaming. The the one thing that I've really taken away from this game is just how much I find it relates to my my own research from my my schoolwork where it's it's taking something a a preconceived art form or genre of some sort of media and presenting it in a new form to make it that much more accessible and that was that was sort of the the touchstone of my research which was taking you know two uh, hundred year old music. That was, you know, up until that point, it was set in stone. There's only one way to perform it, and it's not very accessible to, you know, people our age today because it just looks very stale and boring. And trying to take it and reinvent it and perform it in new ways to make it that much more accessible. And seeing that with this game, it is in no way... Uh, I, I've never played a game quite like this before, and I, I think that's what makes it... Uh, that. That is one of its strongest assets uh, to being that much more accessible. Uh, I've I've explained it to my wife, who is is not a gamer in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I've talked to her about the story and the characters, and I I showed her the the final musical number uh, at the end of Act Five, and she said, "This, this is beautiful. I, I can't believe this is a video game." And I thought to myself, you know. If this were a way to get my wife into video games, this would be the only way in because it has, there's something there that pulls you in and continues for you to want more of it. And I, I love the fact that, I mean, the the fact that we call it a video game is merely because it's on video game consoles. That's That's it. I mean, you could have translated this into a book you could have translated this into a tv series which i really hope they do someday um but uh <laughs> but it really it's as soon as you put a label on something you kind of i i don't want to say you you pigeonhole it and so it, it gives off a negative connotation uh and so i i hope that people gamers and non-gamers alike will really appreciate this for what it is 
whatever it is. Yeah, and and just to to bounce off that, I know we've talked in past accent interludes about how they've had interactive displays and they've done like play versions of some of these accent interludes. I think that, you know, despite me thinking it's not a game, I don't want to get caught in the semantics of is it or is it not because cardboard computer has proven that like this thing can cross mediums without issue. Mike, 100%. you were going to say something? No, no. I was, I, you know, I was going to make a comment that I, I actually think what they've done with this game, um, I don't think it would translate to other medium as well as it does to gaming mm. or, or as it does to like interactive entertainment. Um, but nonetheless, I actually think it would, it's a great story that would translate well to, to TV. Um, but but I think there's something special about the way that it's done in a game uh, that couldn't be replicated in other, other places. Um, to wrap up, just one more thing. Um, maybe share one of your, your favorite memories or the thing that you're going to remember. And again, I'm springing this on you so I can go first. Um, I just want to live in the rum colony. Like, I, I just <laughs> I just want to, you know, we've been stuck in, in the house for a very long time. And I just want to hear the Beach Boys play Kokomo and I want like a delicious rum drink and I just want to sit on that very, very dark beach and listen to some really cool tunes. So yeah, that that's one setting that I'm definitely going to remember. And then obviously the thing that I didn't realize that Conway was being taken to his death, uh, that I'll remember, but for different reasons entirely. I cheated. There's two. You guys have time to think. <laughs> um, it's very easy for me. The moment that I will always remember and is the, the most standout in this game for me is when Junebug literally tears the roof off the joint with her wonderful ballad. It's just, it's it's too perfect. Uh, and there's, there's just so many, but I, I think... Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of torn between two, and it's it's literally... The very beginning and the very end, you know, the the game starts with this amazing scene with this absolutely insane looking gas station with this giant bust of a horse. I mean, the from that point, you know, okay, this is going to be a really interesting adventure where wherever it takes you. And just the very end, that that song um, sung by Emily, and then seeing not just the the people around her from the town joining in in song but also seeing the shadows of the people that have lived there before join in as they they honor the the life and death of of these two horses the neighbors as they're as they're called it's such a powerful moment and it i i don't know if i've ever cried in a video game but seeing that right there at the very end it was it was almost like a coming home for for me to to see how you know you've you've traveled all these miles across Kentucky and and under Kentucky and over Kentucky <laughs> um but to to wind up here among these friends and neighbors that you know you you can call your own and and all know that you know we're we're all going the same way and and life will continue on is is just so beautiful and touching it it doesn't necessarily mean that the story is over it just means that this part of the story is over. Here and there, <laughs> along the echo. Do you have a snake, Michael? <laughs> if a snake's limp in your wrist, 
Now what Drop did, it. Now what did you name your snake? <laughs> <laughs> you know what else uh, is uh, beautiful, much like this video game? Um, Adam, what you did at the end of the last episode. Wow, what a voice. Oh. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> you guys are very kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, please. That's it's, amazing. It's a pleasure. <laughs> if If anyone listening has not yet heard the... Uh, Adam's rendition of the song in the last episode. Highly, highly, highly recommend going back and taking a listen to that. If people want to find that song and find everything you do on the internet, Adam, uh, where's the best places that they can do that? Uh, the best places to find me online, uh, number one is just my website, adamionetta.ca. It's my professional profile for my work as a singer, um, as well as my research. Um, but just as well, I'm on social media on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, those sites just sort of piggyback um, all of my research and work that I do on my website. And you can find me at the user tag uh, DMA Ionetta. Uh, I was originally AD Ionetta, but uh, I've sort of changed to consolidate everything You've to evolved. the same user tag. <laughs> Uh, thanks again for coming on to 10 episodes of the Left Behind Game Club. We really, 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 really appreciated having you. Gentlemen, it has been an honor playing with you. <laughs> na, 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 na. No, but in all seriousness, I'm as passionate as I am about music, I am equally passionate about video games and just as well equally passionate about talking about great video games with great people like yourselves and and I, I mentioned this before we started recording this has been a bucket list item for me so thank you guys for for giving me this opportunity and i i, I wish you all the best and continued success with the show keep up what you're doing because it's great uh just make sure that you don't kick the bucket like conway does uh, because <laughs> we might want to have you on on future shows so please don't do that <laughs> knock uh, on wood michael uh if people want to have fun with us um <laughs> i'm not for sale jacob i don't know what your price is but uh... I, I was just gonna ask about the discord that's all okay okay yeah so um we have already seen many people come to the discord and drop their theories and connections i've also had many people reach out to me on twitter um with their theories and bits that we have uh, not picked up on along the way, which really appreciate. But I think everyone would appreciate in the Discord if you dropped it in, um, dropped it in the Discord. You can find our Discord link at leftbehindgame.club. There's a big fat red button in the middle. If you click it, it'll take you right in. It's very easy to set up an account. We have a very welcoming community who's always excited to talk about what they're playing, what good deals they're getting, uh, the latest episode of the show. For me, it's been great to, to talk about Kentucky Route Zero <laughs> because uh, there's just there's always more to be said and there's always new things to, to see and hear and get perspective on. So love it there. You can also find me on other places online, most social places at Ruffalo M um, and my website, michaelruffalo.com. Is it done? Jacob. Is your website done? It's not done? done yet, okay? It might be. Who knows? We'll see. But it's, it's always under construction. I'm working on it, okay? Yeah, it's a uh, Jacob, where, where can the people find you They at? can find me on the internet at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms. You can also find me on YouTube because I make YouTube videos. Uh, find that at YouTube.com slash Jacob McCourt. Uh, Michael, uh, please wrap up this wonderful 10-part series with the thing that you always tell people. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. <laughs>